0: My name's Scott, I'm Peyton's dad. (laughs) Turn to John chapter 12. We're gonna look at uh, two stories today that happened the week before Jesus died. It's a continuation of what we heard last week uh, in John uh, chapter 11. Um, Oh, and just one thing, I I think I can, yeah, right. So we haven't had time to process this as staff entirely or as elders, and we've tried to lead this last year and a half, making sure that we were careful about all this stuff, about health mandates and everything. But uh, according to what our governor has said, effective today, if you have the vaccine and you feel comfortable to take your masks off, you can. And uh, if there's anything else, we'll just communicate it here. I'm looking at Jake because in the first service, um, I was far more speaking out of my flesh, and uh, I had to apologize because um, I, I, we just want to lead it well, and I don't want to stumble at the end here, so um, so feel free to do that, and we'll continue to keep messages coming about what else is going on, so anyway, back to the good stuff here. Um, chapter 12 is part of last week's message, chapter 11, Mike Stark um, one of the elders at our church, or on the board at least. I don't, yeah, that's a whole other thing, but uh, he preached. It was a great message. Listen to it. Uh, phenomenal message um, on chapter 11. But we covered Lazarus, who got sick. Jesus waited three days, let him die. Goes down there and meets Martha first, and Martha's obviously grieving the loss of her brother. Has this conversation. Martha's like, "Yeah, I believe you're you're the Messiah." Doesn't totally understand that Jesus is the Messiah has the power over the grave. But uh, then he goes on and he meets Mary. Mary's obviously upset and she's grieving, and they have a conversation. He's like, "Jesus, you could have been if you were here. He would be living." And and Jesus, in this moment of seeing all of this, and we're not sure totally why he was he cried, but he cried like he saw all this and people were like, wow, this guy loved Lazarus, and he's, he's so connected. This is like people, and we don't know all the grief there. Maybe it was just the grief of seeing the curse and its impact. We don't know, but then Jesus goes to the grave and yells, Lazarus, come out of the grave, and they move the stone, and Lazarus walks out, and it's this amazing moment, right? So you have to understand these three days of of grief, loss, of worry, and then lost grief, and then all of a sudden, now Lazarus is alive, and, and chapter 12 starts with these, this moment uh, at their house, right, and, and it's this reunion kind of thing, and it's in the last week and a half, really, of Jesus' life. We're coming down to the end. And this is that scene, six days before Passover, Jesus, therefore, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment and made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Judas, one of his disciples, who he was about to betray him, said, why why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And he said this not because he cared about the poor but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used it to help himself to do what was put into it. And Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you won't always have me. So we're going to Encounter Judas and the Pharisees. We're not going to talk about them. We're going to talk about them here in a couple of weeks. I want to just focus in on uh, this story here. of It's really adoration. Pure adoration. And there's several things that happen here. There's, there's three people that are part of this scene. You have Martha. They prepared a meal. Who was it? It was Martha. And I think we can kind of miss that moment. But how many of us in this room are more like Martha when it comes to expression. Like, give me a way to serve. Give me a way to express myself and serve. I'm not good at the emotion thing. I'm not good at the word thing. But I love, I love the Lord. And I imagine this is probably one of the best meals Martha ever prepared in her life. I imagine this is probably the best setting, dinner setting, cleaning the house, getting it ready, serving, and the whole time she's just thinking about Jesus and Lazarus and just adoring Jesus, giving everything she has for Jesus. Are you like that? Not necessarily the one that would be up front, but one that so loves Jesus and so adores him and you find ways to express it in serving. Then there's Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus is just reclining at the table with Jesus. Lazarus is a friend of Jesus, and I, I just look at this story, and, and there's part of me, and maybe this isn't right, but this thing is so filled with comedy opportunities. Like if you've got two guy friends, right, that really know each other, what happened in that moment when like, the thing came off his face Like, did Lazarus, like, look at Jesus and go, you really let me die? (laughs) Bro, right? Like, did he say that? I mean, did he say to Jesus, like, I was just in heaven. Like, it was perfect. Thanks, a lot. Now I got to die again? Do I have to do this again now? I got to die twice? I mean, I don't know. I, I think of friends sometimes and I think of this, and, and what did they say, right? I mean, he'd just been with the Father. And now he's back on earth, reclining with Jesus, looking at Jesus in a way that he never, ever, ever will be the same. And then you have Mary who comes and brings this perfume. She takes over the scene. She, she interrupts the whole thing and it's recorded in, in the other books that talk about Jesus' life where she she, pointed it at, she poured it on his head and his clothes, like his whole body was, was just covered with this perfume. It's, it's worth about $25,000 in our day and time. I mean, I've, I've bought what I thought was expensive perfume for my wife. I mean, I, I've never bought $25,000 worth of perfume. And can you imagine pouring it all out? Probably, say, it sounds like she saved some for his burial, which they didn't know about. There's another Easter egg in this moment, right? Pointing to what's happening. The room fills with this. His clothes are saturated with perfume. She lets down her hair, which women didn't do that. Like, that was just like this big, oh, you better not do that. Like, that's just a no-no, and she lets that down. It's like, oh, it's a scandal. She, she does something that I think, you go to any culture in the world, you don't have to know the, the Greek. You don't have to know the original language. You just tell the story, and everybody goes, oh, I know exactly how she feels. It's who hasn't lost someone they love. And to have them back from the grave? Who doesn't? Who doesn't understand that moment of adoration? Pours it out all over him. And the thing about perfume is so strong, it's in his clothes. I wonder if Jesus smelled like perfume all the way to his death, all his clothes. You could find Jesus by the smell. I wonder if the clothes that were traded there at the cross were filled with perfume, adoration. I wonder if the disciples, every time they smelled that, the family, every time they smelled that 20 years later, they thought of Jesus. They thought of adoration. You know, none of us have been raised from the grave, but how many of us have been raised from the grave? How many of us, if, if we had to lay out there all the death In our life, all the death that we'd have to walk through and how Jesus just came and he said, come, come out of that grave. We can put ourselves right in this moment because we have been raised to a new life. We know this. We know it. If you have been saved, you know this. This kind of lay my heart out there. I... Thank you, Lord. I just talked to someone recently who's started to come to our church. Um, I, you know, I just said, hey, can I just share this little piece? Because I know to encourage people. But he was just in the foyer. He's uh, been in the state penitentiary for five years. And uh, he's trying to find Jesus and he's in our foyer choked up and he's been through a lot he's done a lot and he's choked up because he can't believe that he could get a fresh start and and even these past couple weeks talking to a a mom right part of our church same story I can't believe what, what Jesus has done for me it just cuts across every, every social, socioeconomic, male, female, whatever, who doesn't know. When you have encountered the one who can raise people from the dead, and you're one of them, how can you not but adore him? And so we're gonna, we're just gonna spend some time. Just saying thanks. Just saying thank you so much. Verse nine says, when the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but to see Lazarus, whom he'd raised from the dead. And so the chief priests, ah, we'll talk about them later. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, and so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. So this is the other worship moment here right before Jesus. It's not the last, it's the first time in such a public way you see it, but it's not the last time. It's the first time that Jesus was recognized as Messiah, but it wasn't the last time. It's the first time he was recognized as the king and the Messiah, but they didn't understand what was going on. They quote Psalm 125, or actually 118, it's a messianic song, long understood to be looking forward to the Messiah, and it says this in verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, O Lord, Hosanna, save us, save us. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the houses of Israel. And then Zechariah, he's given this prophecy when, when Israel's decimated, destroyed, there's nothing left and God comes and gives this prophecy of hope and he says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey. And it goes on to talk about this king so they start throwing all of these branches on the ground. Palm branches were actually part of the symbol of Israel's a nationalism kind of thing. Even one of their coins in ancient Israel had a palm branch on one side of it. The palm branches are laid down, the colt can't touch the ground because this is the king. This is the messiah. But it's not the king and messiah they they want. He doesn't fit. Their plan. They have political aspirations. Their view of Messiah, their view of a king is all filtered through a lens of politics and they look through that lens to the word to understand who their Messiah is. And they got it all wrong. And you look at that and you go, how could you mess that up? It's all in the word. Well, it just happens. A lot like it's happening today. Very easy to get our politics in front of us and begin to look through the lens of politics at the word of God. 75% of Protestant pastors right now are very concerned about Christian nationalism, the practice of getting our politics in front of the word. The politics are our lens that we look at the word at rather than look at the word and see how then shall we live. we know what this is like we're in the middle of it we're we're in the middle of of this time where everyone's trying to get us to go politically in the way, whatever party it is, whatever media outlet that's the mouthpiece for that party, right? Let's just call it what it is, right? Both sides, and they're all saying, no, this is what it is, and this is how you should live as a Christian, and then whipping everybody up into fear, whipping everybody up into outrage, and whipping everybody up into anger, and we gotta hate them, and we gotta destroy them. Make Jesus into the God of our political party. It's right here. It happened back then and it still happened today. And, and this past year, I, I can say, and I think a lot of you would agree with me, I have heard more Christians say in one year than I probably have in my whole life, I'm no longer watching the news. I'm no longer reading the news. Because I'm tired. I'm tired of hearing something that is contradictory to the word of God and I will not be a person of outrage. I won't be a person of anger. I'm not gonna be a person of hate. I'm not gonna be a person of fear. I can't listen to this stuff anymore. They won't hijack Jesus for me. Amen. And, and that's, that's both sides. I named names in my message, and I had Jake and Sean read it, and they said, Scott, don't. It's both sides. And today, Jesus says, look at me, the true Messiah. You have the word. You know Jesus, the one who raises people from the dead, who saves us from our sins, who who sits on high and he says, come and sing this song anew. Sing Hosanna to me, because I'll save you. Your government will never save you. There's no nation in this world that will save you. There's no man that this world is going to be given to. There's no nation this world is going to be given to. The Lamb of God gets this world. That's it. Amen. It's now and forever. And he says, come to me, people, and worship me. I want to hear it again. I want to hear it from your heart today. That's what Jesus says. I want to hear you say, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Christ wants to hear you today profane politics. Profane it. Dance on the name. Step on the name of politics. Defame it. He is the only path to salvation. What if in this moment we see Jesus, the one who doesn't ride the war horse into Jerusalem, he rides the donkey, he rides humility. The one who doesn't destroy Rome, he comes to save Romans. I didn't expect that. The one who didn't come to destroy all the people who weren't born as a Jew, he came to actually save them. And he came even to the Jews who were looking for him, who by faith followed in the footsteps of their father, Abraham. That's Jesus. That's the word, right? Church, you're king. Let's worship him. Let's give him the highest praise. Let's say it again. It was the first time then, but it won't be the last time. Not today. We're going to say it again, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord.